Hi, everyone. Welcome to Network Capital. It's really excited to have you with us in this podcast. We try and understand why people do what they do. You've had a, such an interesting career. We follow your blog and some of your analysis of companies, and we find it fascinating. So, in fact, our community members reached out to us and say that said that uh, we should really have you deliver a masterclass or a podcast. So, let's start with the podcast and see where we go. Uh, Aviral, could you tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what do you do today? Thanks, Utkarsh, for having me over. Uh, really, uh, you know, humbled by the response, and and it's good to hear that people on the community want to hear from me. Um, I'll I'll just keep my introduction brief. I work as an investment professional with a VC firm called Bill Capital. We invest uh, out of the US and in India. Um, we you know back companies very early on, so we are a seed stage investor. Um, I basically look at uh, India investing for us. Okay, and uh, when did you get interested in investing? And within investing, more specifically, when did you start writing about uh, the trends, the companies that were fascinating you, and technologies? So um, I did a startup in college, which is way back in undergrad. Um, this is around 2012. Um, it was in the educational space it was not at tech and you know starting up was wasn't really something that was happening that time it was the company was called education edge um one of my co-founders actually she, she went on to start a company called flyroad um and that was that was my first experience with startups uh, i really didn't know what a startup was i really didn't know what i was getting into it basically you know Shreya reached out to me. She said, uh, "You know, you write well. Uh, we're looking for someone who can edit our magazine." Uh, and and I came on board. Um, we started working on the business plan and other such things. We pitched uh, in Eureka, which is a very uh, big competition uh, for student entrepreneurs as well as you know people who've already started out. And we ended up winning that, which was a big surprise. for me and uh, you know that was my first brush with uh, with starting up uh, what that company did was it was an educational magazine for students in uh, cities that were non metros uh, so not delhi bombay but maybe like bhopal where you don't have access to career opportunities and you don't really know you know i could be a sudoku champion which was you know one of our uh, one of our pieces was on how you can be a sudoku champion or you know of beat career paths which are very accessible to people in in larger towns but not uh, but not there so this is you know pre internet on everyone's phone 7 8 years ago uh, that was that was my first uh, experience the second was a company called function space um again interestingly in education i was in my fourth year i had just you know uh, got into b school uh, sumit maniar who runs this company called rupik he actually was founder of that company Uh, they were looking for someone who can help with marketing and growth for six months. So it was, you know, more like an internship. Uh, right. In, again, a fabulous experience. I activated a lot of colleges on their behalf. It was basically a social network for science enthusiasts. Uh, Which year are we talking about? This is 2014. So okay. 2000- so you were in undergrad or MBA? Undergrad. It was my last semester. So. Okay. This is IIT Bombay. Okay. Yes. Got it. Yeah. IIT Bombay fourth year last semester. Um, a lot of time on hand, so I, I thought this was something I should do. 
again very good experience i i got an understanding of how to do marketing and you know they call it growth hacking but you know that's that's that was my experience there and uh, and and you know this stayed with me um, uh, you know i didn't really end up joining any of these startups um, the first one kind of like uh, went into cold storage because most of the founders they ended up joining you know pcg db bain you know good firms from campus and anyway they later started up uh, sumit right now is running rupee which is doing really well um, i campus i went to i am ahmedabad after that uh, straight out of iit bombay um, my summer internship was on the buy side with morgan stanley and that's where i got the exposure to private equity um, and and i realized i like investing maybe not at a larger scale where it's very difficult to you know build a connection with uh, the com- what the company does and um, and and you know the founders are because that was an infrastructure fund so i got a good experience on the buy side but not uh, but not uh, but not on uh, not on the startup side right um, and uh, you know in the back of my head i wanted to be exposed to the startup ecosystem um but i really hadn't thought that uh, that you know i'll get into investing or any such thing my <clears throat> my idea was to get into consulting or banking after b school let's stay on this a little bit how was your internship and uh, what what made you apply to morgan stanley um so i actually uh, honestly i was looking um, at both consulting and finance uh, <laughs> very simply morgan stanley was the first call i got uh, for summers uh, you know we have a summers process that's extremely competitive uh, right. we have a you know day 1 day 2 day 3 and uh, you, know, you get slotted uh, based on your preference and the company's preference and morgan stanley was the first company that uh, that called me in the morning at 8 o'clock uh, i i was inclined towards consulting and i really didn't think that finance was something that i would end up doing because it it wasn't something i prepared for uh, very keenly during summers but uh, you know they really liked me they gave me you know a couple of puzzles a few uh, insights into finance and i think within 10 minutes i had an offer so that's how that happened it was not really very planned as such but but you know it was one of my priorities right so so that's uh, so that's how i ended up uh, on the buy side and you enjoyed your experience and you enjoyed uh, being a you know being on the uh, buy side private equity but uh, but you you want yes. to be with uh, you wanted to see your impact on the business right that's correct Got so it. um it was an infrastructure fund so we were looking at assets like uh, you know bridges and uh, tollways which are huge assets they're like a billion dollar plus but mm-hmm. uh, but it's very difficult to you know uh, really build a relationship with somebody who is running that or you know it's it's not really a company right and the same is true for larger buy side uh, kind of investments where the companies are really big and it's and it's very tough for someone who is you know just joining a, a firm or a fund to build a relationship with someone who is running the firm understand and then in the internship ends uh, perhaps you get an offer but you still decide you still thinking about consulting right yes that's correct so so i i mean that's what i did well in b school so i had you know, offers to choose from uh, mm-hmm. i um, 
ended up doing a winter internship with the firm that I work with. Um, people generally go on exchange in term five. Um, yeah. Ended up staying on campus uh, because I, you know, I felt that I wanted to make the most of the two years. You know, you can visit Europe at some point of time in your life. I'd already been to Europe in in my second year in IIT. Um, so I, I stayed on campus, and the good thing was that I had like a month and a half free um, mm-hmm. at the end of term five, and I was like, why not get some more by side experience? So I so I sent out a couple of mails, uh, one to Guild, one to another firm. Uh, Guild got back. They said we'd be happy to have you. Um, and the good thing is, you know, I'm based out of Pune as well. My family is here, so it was good um, for everyone. Uh, they are based out of they were based out of Pune and now I'm based out of Pune as well. Uh, I ended up doing the internship. Um, they surprisingly liked me. I liked them as well. It was a you know it's still a nice small team, uh, very flat, um, good culture. Um, decision making is fast. So so I think um, you know they ended up giving me an offer even though in general in VC or buy side you need to have some experience before you join these uh, yeah. firms and I was a bit of an exception. Yeah. So this is where we got a lot of questions from Network Capital community members. What's the best way to uh, to try and break into VC when you don't have uh, a relevant experience or prior VC experience or operating a company experience? You didn't have anything, right? You were right. undergrad, then MBA, and then you convinced them that you're, you're good enough. Okay. What's the best way to do that? Any advice for people? Um, I don't think there is one uh, answer that uh, that fits this. I think so. You know, just your answer, like no, absolutely, to... absolutely. Yeah. I, I do, I do, I do understand. Uh, VC is um, becoming increasingly diverse from an experience uh, standpoint. I know from a you know uh, junior folks, there are a lot of women and men, but you know in the senior uh, levels, that that is not that. Uh, well balanced, but in general, what I've noticed is VC communities and VCs tend to have a very eclectic background, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at least India, for now, it has been very consultant heavy. A lot of people, you know, who are ex-consultants tend to, you know, make up more senior um, positions in most firms. Yeah. But I, I see that changing, and I think that is changing as well in general, where you know, people with product experience or people who have run startups or founded startups before. Uh, they are the ones who end up in VC firms, right? And the argument is that if you know how to build a company or if you have seen on the sidelines how a company is built, um, these are very helpful skill sets, um, skill sets in venture capital. And, you know, just taking a step back, um, venture capital is basically about, uh, you know, at a high level, sourcing, diligence, and portfolio management, right? These are the three areas in which you have to spend time and depending on your uh, you know how senior you are in the firm you will spend time based on that right so sourcing is very sales uh, driven it's you know going out there meeting people talking to people that's sourcing diligence is looking at opportunities seeing where opportunity is where others are not looking um, and you know taking a bet based on your analysis and portfolio management is actually helping companies scale Right, so your skill set can be developed in any of these three. Generally, you know, if you look at consultants, they tend to be very good with um, 
talking to people building relationships which is why you know you'll see them doing sourcing and they start off and then you know they're able to uh, work up um, and work on diligence and portfolio management as well because they've seen how businesses are run um, for founders it is the opposite you know they've seen how businesses are built so they can contribute a lot on the uh, on portfolio management and they build the rest of the skills um, as they go along so these are the kind of two profiles that that tend to uh, appeal to vcs and and i think you know that's if you're really looking to build a career in venture capital that is what you should be you know uh, looking at but i i don't think that you should optimize for any career as such so i wasn't optimizing for venture capital right it kind of happened to me in some sense you know in hindsight uh, i can make sense out of it but you know at that point of time it was a uh, it was a bet that i took with limited data points right so as you would say it was a flyer in some sense um and and i think that um, with this in mind uh, you should always also understand that vc is very niche once you get into venture capital you know you're either going to do it for a very long time which is when you can really decide whether you're good at it or not or get back into the ecosystem right getting into the corporate world is a bit um, bit tough and and i don't think people end up wanting to do that after they have come to this side of the table so so those are the things that you should consider now uh, you know summarizing you look at um, consulting background folks or startup background folks they are the ones um you know who vc firms are generally looking at uh, but you know if you, if you don't have any of these but you have an interest um work really hard to you know show that you have that interest build something um, that um, that shows that you know you have worked with the ecosystem for example as andrew chen in uh, in the us he used to blog about um, trends in the startup ecosystem right that's how he started Yeah, uh, he ended up, you know, joining Uber and then he joined Amazon Horowitz. But prior to that, he was, you know, just very thoughtful and analytical about the ecosystem. So, so there are many ways to break into it, and I and I think that, um, you know, if you enjoy working with startups, just do what you're um, enjoying, and then uh, it probably will happen by itself at some point of time. Yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned Andrew Chen. um another person who's had an, a similar trajectory but uh, he was in a corporate and then broke out to write about uh, the startups and uh, the tech system is uh, is uh, uh, something somebody who runs this company called stratechery ben thompson uh, ben yeah. thompson That's yeah right. these are people you know in 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 the tech ecosystem andrew chen ben who are known for their um, analyses and i think that uh, you know your blog is uh, you know like it has 10000 plus subscribers i think in time hopefully nice. you you'll get there as well yes. um i'm going to talk to you about that in a, in a bit but uh, tell me how you decided to choose between guild and the other offers that you had and uh, what made you choose guild over others um so i think uh, as i said earlier the startup ecosystem was somewhere i wanted to be close to and that was there in the back of my mind from the time when i did my you know when i did the first startup um i i didn't think consulting was going to be a long term career again that was an answer i had um made before joining a consulting firm which in hindsight is you are making a decision without enough data 
but that's that was my thinking that you know i'll just do consulting for a couple of years and then i'll move uh, to the buy side so the goal was to get into you know uh, private equity or venture capital at some point of time uh, this happened earlier than expected right and i could have ended up joining mckinsey uh, whose campus but but i felt like i was ready to do this straight out of uh, college so that 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 basically really influenced my decision uh, again it was a decision i made without having too much data without having worked um, at a consulting firm i i definitely wanted to be close to the ecosystem because i had data there but i didn't know how venture capital would turn out could have been uh, a total disaster which thankfully it has not been but uh, you know that that's that's definitely something when you're thinking of taking a, a job choice you should think through so so i think that um, my choice was really driven by the fact that i had kind of made up my mind that i wanted to do this i like the startup ecosystem and i had some buy side experience so very simply buy side plus startups equals vc was my very very simple decision making that i that i used to you know take this choice versus the others um excellent so it's been 3 years for you doing vc right right from here. so That's how right. has your role changed uh, describe a day uh, in the life of a vc uh, or your life specifically when you started and right. how different or same is it today right so um it, it's uh, evolved um and it's evolved a lot so we are a young fund and uh, we we are evolving very fast which is a good thing um and i think that when i started out we were really just figuring out our india strategy and our india thesis uh now we have a much better understanding we are you know four investments down a uh, lot of good traction in our portfolio companies uh, so it's it's changed a lot i think initially what you know my focus used to be was more on you know building a thesis on the market what are the kind of sectors we'd like to get into talking to companies and understanding uh, what sectors we'd like to uh, invest in so it was more on you know if you go back a few minutes when i was describing sourcing diligence and portfolio management it was more on the sourcing and diligence side over index on the sourcing side um i think now it has moved a lot towards the portfolio management side uh with sourcing and diligence obviously uh, happening like they have to um, i spend a lot of time with our portfolio companies um helping them with their strategy helping them with hiring uh, helping them with you know how to market better how to run operations better you know it's always good to have someone who is an outsider and an insider at the same time because when you're a founder sometimes you tend to look at things in a very focused manner and it's just great to speak to someone who who has the same incentives as you which is to make the company succeed and is also you know kind of an outsider to the business so so we really partner with uh, founders very actively we work very closely with them so if you look at a day of mine i will spend time talking to each of our portfolio company ceos um hopefully you know talk to some interesting founders um, generally i spend 2 to 3 days talking to new founders and i would say 2 days talking to our founders right so so i would split the week rather than a day because you know that's how i structure it for myself um on portfolio management on diligence and on sourcing uh, 
So, you know, that's that's how I would structure my time, structure my week, and those are the things that I'm involved with. So a lot of learning, I'm, I'm sure, happens on the job when you spoke, you're speaking to new people yes. uh, and your existing founders. Yes. Uh, do you allocate time during the week to learn new things um, over and above, uh, you know, the time you spent on your job? Right. So that's, that's a very interesting thing, right? And I, you know, I'm so happy to be part of this ecosystem because you have experts um, who are willing to spend 30 minutes with you explaining to them explaining to you what they know right like when we started off this call you were telling me about network capital and uh, and the ecosystem that you have created people are uh, you know transacting their skills it's a social commerce business right uh, in that 10 minutes i learned so much about social commerce and hiring as a use case right uh, the same thing happens with a lot of founders that we speak to so they are generally upskilling investors, right? I am just a student. They are the teachers, right? That's how I, I look at it. So I learn a lot about different ecosystems and different markets and different use cases. So, so you really understand that because people are willing to share that with you. Obviously, it is in everyone's interest to understand it. But, but you know, those uh, new markets, new use cases, new ideas come from the new founders we speak to. From our uh, portfolio, you will see problems that are being solved. Uh, what are the new problems that are uh, coming up? Uh, you know, let's say the CAC has gone up. How do we bring it down? What are the new channels uh, we can look at? How do we optimize the already existing channels we have in operations? How do you improve the turnaround time? How do you reduce, uh, you know, delivery errors? How do you reduce uh, breakage? How do you improve quality? These are problems that we would end up solving um, so so these things they kind of upskill you automatically as part of the as part of the job right um, if you go back maybe a year and a half ago i would not know which channels are the best for buying media for a particular product but now i have a better understanding that's because you know you're just listening and learning from people who know what they're doing uh, but you know you need to still spend time learning things yourself uh, which is only how you will be evaluated otherwise, right? So you will spend time thinking on the problems that these companies are facing. The CEO is probably too stretched to spend time on that. You actually work on it and it leaves dividends for everyone. Or for example, something that I've been doing, I've been, you know, I used to code in college, but you know, that really went off the rails for the last five to six years. I started doing that again. Um, so I take out some time to do that. I spend a lot of time reading and I think, um, you know, the best way to describe venture capital to me is uh, a philosophically oriented salesman. That is a good VC, right? You have to be able to think really high level, but you should also be very comfortable working with people, um, being social, going out there, um, working with the best founders and so you know this kind of uh, personality is uh, is a bit rare i feel and you know some of the best vcs tend to have both this the ability to think really abstract and the ability to go really focused detailed and tactical when do you write uh, so i write on weekends um and and you know i've been writing for very long so i've 
actually started writing in 2012-13, you know, which is the around the time when I was telling you about the education edge experience. Um, obviously, during the week there isn't much time because uh, you 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 know you've got so many things, so many uh, fires that are burning, so many new people to meet. Uh, so during the week, obviously you're not. Um, I'm I'm not writing, but I do think during the week, right? Whenever you have a couple of minutes, you're like, this problem seems interesting. This company seems interesting. What's interesting about it? Right. So in the back of my head, I'm always, you know, thinking about some opportunity, some company, some experience that I have, and I always tend to write only about things I know. Right. It's it's very difficult to you know sit and learn something new and then write about it. So I will, you know, when I started writing, I was writing about my college. Um, which was undergrad. Then I, you know, went to B school. I was writing about B school, uh, which again was something I knew. I realized that a lot of people had misconceptions about um, about the colleges that I went to, and and that was what I was really solving for. Um, and one fine day, you know, around six to eight months into my job, somebody suggested, "Why don't you write about the system you you like writing?" So so that's what I started. That's when I started writing about startups. Um, and you know, it's just weekends. Um, I started a newsletter about a year and a half ago. Um, so I'll I'll write on a Saturday evening. It comes out on Sunday in the morning, uh, and and then you have like a short blurb on LinkedIn, which uh, which just talks about the post. So mostly the weekend, um, because I've been writing for so long, I'm able to write quicker. Uh, than what I would have been able to in 2012, but obviously I'm always trying to improve, improve the way I write, improve the, the way to communicate, and other such things. But there is an advantage because you know I'm thinking through the week uh, in in small bursts, and also you know I've been writing for a long time. And is your reading and writing uh, correlated in a way? Because you said you enjoy reading, so I was wondering. Uh, yes. If you try to match your reading to your content yeah so yes and no in some sense so i uh, i read very very thing uh, i obviously read a lot about the startup ecosystem like a lot so i'll be reading really smart people writing about things that are happening in the us things that are happening in europe things that are happening in asia that's uh, that's something i spend time on obviously i i really like uh, fred wilson uh, who runs the blog uh, a VC, which is where I have taken the inspiration for my blog as well. The name comes from there in some sense. Um, but but my reading is um, is wider than just that. So for example, I'm reading this book called The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which is about uh, the El Bulli uh, kitchen in Spain, which was which is which was one of the uh, most famous restaurants. And to understand, you know, how creativity and uh, how high-performing teams work in such a different environment uh, was something that was interesting to me. And you know, I I I end up reading some really random stuff as well. But um, you know, some neuroscience or some genetics um, things that I don't understand, which I want to understand a bit more. Those are things I spend time on as well when I'm reading. That's wonderful. Avril, um, how many articles are there on the blog, uh, a junior VC? Uh, I think there are more than uh, 70 now. 
I think we're probably close to 80. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I know this is uh, this is an impossible question to answer, but I was wondering if there is a blog that you thoroughly enjoyed writing, right? Or the or and the blog that you got most positive feedback for. Are right. they the same? Are they not? They're not, <laughs> not at all. Okay, so, tell us. Yeah, so I, I think it's very difficult to remove or dissociate writing for people and writing for yourself when you start out in some sense right so in the beginning this is 2012 not now um when you are building an audience you have to write what people want to read right you want to build a product that is worth consuming uh, but after you start scaling and you really reach a point where uh, you know, you have an audience that understands why you write about things, which was primarily the reason why I have kept a blog separate from LinkedIn is because there are people who want to get into those detailed analyses that we do. Um, and and I think that uh, having a blog allows you to be more expressive, take uh, topics that are probably not popular, but are really interesting. Um, and have a take on that because generally people would like to read about Swiggy or uh, Zomato or Values or you know consumer facing businesses that everyone's heard about but I don't know how many people would have read about B2B enterprise businesses um, and what is the level of interest there but I do want to write about those because they are interesting businesses. So the blog allows you to you know kind of uh, write things that you think are interesting it may not have a wider audience that you know some of the other consumer businesses that that we've written about have um, but they don't necessarily map so the most interesting piece that we wrote about um, I think was uh, plan um, it, it was it was a very interesting uh, approach that we took uh, it was popular because we uh, looked at it from the lens of being like Alibaba and people really. What is it called? This article? Um, is Udan. Uh, is Udan. Okay. Uh, yeah. Udan. It's on Udan. So I'll. The article was about um, Udan. I read the article. I was wondering for the show notes. I think some of our audience, which is which are not yeah, in India, so, so, they so might the, not know what Udan is. That's why. Yeah. So so the article is called is Udan Flipkart 2.0 or India's Alibaba. That was the article. That you know we've written about, and I and I you know think that was really interesting. B two B business, not many people had heard about it. It surprisingly did well, but uh, but in general, you know a lot of consumer brands tend to be better read than uh, you know business to business uh, kind of stories. So not not really, you know you won't you won't find the most read piece the same as the Piece that you know we went into most detail, uh, but in this case, you know it 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 is one of the more popular pieces. Not the most, but definitely one of the more popular. And your favorite? Uh, my favorite. I, I I think my favorite was the one we did on ride sharing. It was extremely complicated. Uh, you know, summarizing a huge market in, you know. 1500 2000 words is incredibly hard 
right? Uh, the output was great. You know, we looked at the entire ecosystem. We realized and talked about how you know transportation, last mile logistics is such a big problem in India. There were things I didn't know uh, as well, right? Like why two-wheeler rental companies work so well in Bangalore and probably not anywhere else is because last mile is such a big problem in Bangalore because of the traffic, right? That is something you cannot relate to if you've not been there or if you've not spent enough time there. And uh, why it's picking up only in Bangalore is because of this reason, right? If you look at the metrics for these companies. So that that piece was, was a monumental task um, and it came out well. Uh, again, as I was saying, it, it probably didn't even get the kind of traction that the Odan piece got, but people who have read the blog and people who follow the newsletter, they really liked it a lot, right? So that's that's where I was saying that that piece was really uh, intense in terms of the time we spent and the research we did. But um, How much time did you spend on, on putting this entire thing together? So, um, you know, I used to do this alone, but now, um, now there's a team uh, that works on a junior VC uh, Abhinav, uh, Ghosh, Keshav, Bagri, uh, Saloni Goyal, Shiraz Kazmi, Raj, Nandatta, and uh, Rohan Gupta. Uh, you know, this is our team. Uh, I think as a team, we spent uh, we spent like more than half a day together. So you can like yeah, like that. That's, that's intense. That really is. Yeah, yeah a couple of days worth of man hours right so so you know everyone worked really hard on that one and you know also as you were uh, explaining earlier that when you write something it's not only the research that you do at the moment it's also cumulative thinking over the months and years which is so important um uh, you know one uh, one uh, piece that we as a community really liked or a lot of community members who reached out to me uh said that explaining vc to a five-year-old this one was uh, very useful to a lot of people who were you know trying to understand what is the real world behind a VC what do VCs actually do so yeah so they asked me to ask you this question that uh, what's the best way to pitch to a VC what's the most uh, if what's the difference between a good pitch that you get and a and a lousy pitch Uh, I think there's one big difference the founder really cares about the company that they are in and the company they're talking about right um, a great pitch um, is where a founder and i you know i i don't like to call them pitches because i mean i i know that that's what they are but but we like to you know look at them more as discussions um, a lot of companies just don't even get to that phase because you will have founders who just send mass emails to investors, right? It's very clear that the founder has spent less time on composing that email than you spend on reading the subject line, right? I mean, if that is the level of effort that someone is putting in, it's really tough to build a long-term relationship with a person, uh, you know, who's not that deeply involved in the process, right? So, so a lot of people just make mistakes there they think that just by sending out a mass email to a lot of people they will get responses so i think having a really uh, tailored email tailored message people who have read about us people who understand what value we bring and why we could be good partners because it's not you know one way it's a two-way street um, 
we are being helpful they are you know uh, being helpful as well we are all learning together so if we can't bring value to the table it probably is um, not not the right relationship to get into um the other you know stages after you have done the email and you've done a couple of calls um good founders really care about who their audience is and they don't talk active they talk to you and very good founders are able to you know get anecdotes talk about their experience they actually live the pain point right and and the founder that actually lives the pain point is the best founder to speak to because they have a story to tell and founders who have stories to tell it's pretty clear in their uh, in their discussions with us that the story is real authenticity and all these things are really important um and i think that's you know once you get to a pitch stage if you want to differentiate between two founders obviously both are good because they've done um uh, a lot of work um and have been able to you know pull together good pitch deck have good emails set up good discussions i think the thing that differentiates um really good founders from good founders is that the really good founders have a great story and um, and that really is memorable so um, and and you cannot really fake that in some sense so authentic founders who tell their stories in a in a very um, crisp and you know authentic manner are the ones that really stand out i think uh thank you for that um towards the very end i just want to um, mention that you've written about six startup trends for 2020 uh, i was wondering um if you have some new year resolutions for your personal self and uh, what over and above the six trends in the startup space uh, do you see yourself potentially being surprised by uh so uh, do you want me to talk about the startup trends because they are separate from you know personal resolutions yeah i i mean i just want you to tell me about the goals 2020 of your own self yeah. and the startup trend which expect you to be surprised by yeah so um startup trends that i think you know we didn't cover in those six but could be interesting i think one is um uh, cryptocurrencies and uh blockchain based companies the hype has gone away but if you really look at the price of bitcoin and the number of virtual currencies that are getting created it's up and it's going uh, and it's going up there is a lot of interest there um i think there is fundamentally a lot of innovation that can happen because of the the whole decentralization that this is trying to bring about right um there are real use cases let's say in land for example where you can have ledgers that are built on blockchain or oil and gas where um there are so many distributed databases people are working with excel sheets having one distributed ledger uh, is 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 a really good um good technology and use case so i think that um the whole virtual currency for you know getting monetized for probably even like social influencers uh, could be a trend that i think um is one that i'd like to watch and i think that there is a lot of good stuff that could happen now um in that space the second i think is edtech um we backed an edtech company and and i think that education is a really tough market 
but a really important market, right? I, I mean, I wrote about Baidu's today itself. So uh, there are companies that are able to make money, but um, but I'm not sure how many companies are actually able to improve outcomes, right, um, for students. And that that really is uh, the real to not for companies that are in the space, improving outcomes for students, improving outcomes for teachers apart from being good businesses, right? And I think that space is something that could really build great companies. If you look at um, EdTech globally, it probably has the least number of unicorns. I think Baiju's is the largest uh, in the ecosystem globally as well. If you look at any other space, which is a you know key human requirement, when you look at um, trying to get into broad themes, You'll have food, you'll have accommodation, you'll have transportation, you'll have travel. You know, these are the core human needs. Education is one of them. You'll see that there are multiple large companies in food or in transportation or in accommodation, but there are very few large companies in uh, education in tech. I think that that uh, is a really gnarly problem and there are some very interesting Indian companies. So tech will be another space that I'd look at. Um, In terms of uh, 2020 uh, resolutions. I I think I believe a lot more in habits versus setting goals, right? And and I think changing habits is uh, is is the hardest. Um, so you know I have some personal habits as goals rather than uh, goals as goals. So it won't be like oh I want to be a top writer here. Um, I would rather want to write every week. That is, that is, you know, a new resolution for me. So there are, you know, habits that are resolutions, and I can start from today. I don't really need to uh, look at what it will be after 365 days. And, and I think that's how, you know, we should be looking at. At least that's how I believe we should be looking at goal setting uh, in general. That's a vital point. In fact, uh, there's a book by James Clear. Uh, atomic habits that goes into some detail uh, about this and my my mint piece in the coming week uh, will be about uh, the difference between a successful resolution which is more habit centric and a resolution that doesn't work which is a wish rather than anything more um this has been fascinating Abhiral. i look forward to meeting you at the network capital Pune event uh, later this month Uh, And this podcast will go out to about 100,000 subscribers. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, I wish you the very best for the year ahead. Thank you. Thank you so much.